Innes Forgettance is a folk fantasy podcast set in an alternate Appalachia and faraway Celtic fort. You can help support me and this story by sharing it with your friends, posting on social media, or by clicking the link in the description to buy me a coffee. I'm glad you joined me this week, and stay safe out there in the woods. on the Innis Forgettance, after everyone else gave up on searching for Mama, Porter took matters into his own hands and set out into the haunted West Mountain woods without telling anyone, determined to find his mother. Porter in Inniscombe. Porter hiked west following the imaginary trajectory of the footprints they'd spotted near the porch seven days ago, making a beeline until he broke through both bands of the daylight boundary. He gulped water and gulped down the knot of fear in his throat. Pulling a wadded ball of Colleen's pokeberry dyed yarn from his pocket, he marked his path by biting off a length and tying it around a tree trunk. The thick clouds, not to mention the leafless, branchy autumn canopy, made guessing the position of the sun difficult, but the diffused light seemed brighter when he looked west. Just a few more hours until sundown. He lifted the leather water bag to his lips and took a long gulp, then pulled a piece of jerky from his pocket and bit it off. Chewing, he scanned the land. The autumn forest surrounded him. Most trees had been robbed of leaves, though portions of brown, orange, yellow, and red still dotted the mountain like a patchwork quilt, with evergreens in between like stitchery. Ahead, the mountainside took a steep tilt to his left, southward, but when he looked north, he still couldn't make out the top of the ridge. Porter had hunted with Pa many times and had looked forward to the day he'd get his own gun, but hunting by day wasn't the same as tracking a person who had disappeared a week ago. Turning in a slow circle, he squinted into the forest around him, struggling to remember the tracking tips his father had taught him. Below a nearby oak tree, a patch of ground had been scraped of fallen leaves, hinting at acorn-prowling raccoons. All around him, the forest was dotted with yellowed, naked tree trunks, horning trees stripped bare of bark by eager stags, but no sign of mama. He had to go farther, 
well past winter's daylight boundary. But how far? Mama had passed through these parts seven days ago. How far could she have gone since? A sickening lump of realization formed in his belly. For the first time since he set out that morning, the thought of finding his mother terrified him. The light theft of humid old leaves pulled his mind from nightmarish imaginings. Pitter-pattering of smaller wildlife whispered from the ground all around him, while above, birds flitted gracefully from tree to tree to tree, like leaves floating in water that stop on rocks only to spin free again. He took a deep breath, filling his nostrils with scents of splintering dead logs, evergreen needles, and rich soil. He continued forward, skin prickling with keen awareness. Never had he, or perhaps any recent Innisfolk except hopefully his mother, ventured so far from home. Now he moved slower, tuning in to all of his senses, doing his best not to disturb the forest around him. Every so often, he bit off another length of Collie's raspberry-colored yarn and tied it around a tree as reminders of the way home. West, west, west. He hung all his hopes in the west, pushing through privet and watching for any broken branch that might provide confirmation. But he noticed nothing. Streaks of black flew above him, a flock of crows darted overhead, cawing and shrieking and congregating in the forest canopy until the trees themselves appeared to move with leaves come to life. Fully aware of the hazards of lurking underneath birds' roosts, Porter rushed forward, tugging his hat tighter on his head, leaping over branches and logs, moving as far away as he could. Their delighted screaming rang, warning of the coming sunset. Even when he could barely see the leaping specks of black in the branches far away, their calling carried throughout the woods. I hear ya, he answered them, only about an hour of lat left. His heart skittered. He'd found no conclusive sign of his mother or anyone else for that matter, yet within moments the never-seen would haunt the woods, emerging from their mysterious daylight hiding places. He hungered for more than mere bites of jerky and yearned for water. His legs protested at the idea of another step. Sitting in front of a soft log next to a smooth sapling, he sipped more water resisting the urge to down all of it, and reached out, tying another pokeberry string around the young tree. There's no going back, not to not anyway. Dread rose within him like a bucket drawn from a well. He thought of Pa, Colleen, and Great Aunt Nula, of all they'd been through in the past seventeen years. 
in the past seven days, in the past several hours. I can't go back without answers, he thought. Yet the mountain remained stubbornly tight-lipped. Sighing, he turned to his pack, which leaned against the middle of the log, and began unstrapping his oil lantern from the body of his possible's pouch. He ran his fingers across the tank and glass globe, relieved that he didn't feel the slickness of leaked oil, then pushed the thumb lever to raise the globe and twisted a small knob to raise the wick. Leaning over, he shoved his hand into his pocket and rummaged for the flint and steel kit. His hand trembled even as he struck the fire steel over the tin. The strong realization of oncoming nightfall frayed his nerves. Carefully, he brought a twig to the ignited char cloth until it caught fire then used it to touch the gap between the globe and the tank, lighting the wick. The lantern produced a strong orb of light that pulsed and breathed. Within its safe haven, Porter could finally breathe a little easier, too. Brushing away leaves with his hand, he steadied the lantern on the ground and turned to rummage for food in his pack. But under its glow, the log he leaned against caught his attention. Rotted in the middle, a cluster of gill-like mushrooms sprouted from its decay. Stomach growling, Porter gathered several before noticing the rest had been trampled by a clear, human footprint. A footprint that aimed northwest. She was here, he thought. Rinsed of his earlier exhaustion and discomfort, he scrambled to his feet and shoved the flint and steel kit back into his pocket. He lifted the lantern and pressed forward, moving west and north, determined to make as much progress as possible before shadow overwhelmed the forest. But the light had already begun to surrender to night. He had to squint just to keep himself from tripping over the underbrush and fallen branches, much less notice any sign of human presence. Finally, he stopped. Wind whistled low as it rolled over the mountain forest. Loose leaves pittered like leftover raindrops. Trees and branches creaked, swayed, snapped. What remained of the ground's warmth clashed with the cold night air, birthing a layer of fog that swirled as though it were a mountain creature all its own. Porter tightened his grip on the lantern. His knuckles felt dry and cracked. His bones resisted motion. Constant movement had distracted him from the crystallizing cold, but as he stilled, the night air seeped into his sleeves and collar like long, ghoulish fingers. No turning back. The spirits would come, and soon.
evergreens dominated this patch of forest. Their fallen needles blanketed the earth so his footsteps made no sound. Next to a fir, he spread out his bedroll, then walked yards and yards away, south, until he spotted a thick tree with plenty of strong, low branches. Setting his lantern safely at its base, he climbed up nearly three times his six-foot height, then secured his leather possible's pouch on a branch, hoping no bears would steal his supplies and food at such a height, and that if they did, he would be far enough away that they'd leave him alone. Before climbing down, he snatched the bottle of lamp oil he'd brought, along with a few mushrooms and pieces of dried fruit, and stuffed them all into his pockets. Once again on solid ground, he took a good look at the tree, carving it into his memory, and tied a piece of yarn around it. Armed with his lantern, he dared to stare into the creeping dark. No spectral lights greeted him, not yet. Still, his legs quivered as he hiked all the way back to his resting place. He sat on the wool blanket, pulling it snugly around himself. He winced, remembering the tin of lard he'd packed but forgotten in his rucksack. The blanket, along with his hat and all of his clothing, would have to be enough warmth for tonight. Under darkness, even as he sat in the light of his lantern, a ball of anxiety tightened in his chest. His arms might as well have been made of straw. Jitters filled his belly, so he no longer wanted to eat, but he forced himself to nibble at the mushrooms and fruit, tasting nothing. When the first orbs came, they came from a single direction far ahead, farther west, fanning out as they floated closer. Porter's pulse galloped. He tallied the lights. One, two, three. He quickly lost count as they overtook the forest. Closer, tighter, advancing toward him. He dug his heels into the earth and scrambled backward, pressing his spine against the fir tree's trunk. He held his breath. They closed in. An ominous, deep hum vibrated. One buzzed ahead of the others, coming within feet of Porter. It slowed, hovering in a bobbing, circular, pondering motion, stopping beyond the corona of Porter's lantern. But their hum, their hum sucked at him. He scrambled to his feet, lifted the lantern, and ran, staggered, barely able to see beyond the glaring brightness of the orbs crowding around him. He pushed through them like clusters of frog eggs. He gasped, he shouted in torment, but he ran. Legs bend, legs bend, he thought. He ordered his arms to pump 
his legs to pound. He thought they'd snap like dry kindling. He forced all his concentration into escape, even as the hum grew and despair closed over him. He ran, ran, leapt, dodged, ran, a tangle around his ankle. He pitched forward, slammed into the ground. The wind catapulted from his chest, the lantern from his grasp. It rolled ahead of him and stopped. Its flame was gone. No! Never seen swarmed him like fire ants. An excruciating sting began in his heart and trickled through his core and extremities. He struggled to breathe, but the suffocation came from deep within, as though his body couldn't contain his own spirit anymore. Pressure, pressure, tearing pressure. The never-seen were hissing and humming, burglarizing his body. Hysterical wailing overtook his mind. Loud, sharp shrieks sliced the length of his veins, filled him with such agony, despair. His body bucked, fingers clawing the dirt. Despair stung him so he felt as though his soul were being ripped from his being. He screamed with mouth wide and begging, his neck taut. He was poised to give himself over to end the agony. A long shriek, not his own, pierced the forest. The pound of rushing footfalls vibrated through the earth onto his cheeks. A cool, thin hand grasped his. He looked up, but the glare of a new lantern blinded him. His entire body stung with even the slightest movement, but he struggled to his feet, gripping the newcomer. The never-seen pulled back. The arrival of the new light stalled their attack. Their glowing multitudes dappled the forest, fire-like. Porter squinted against the brightness, trying to make out the figure before him, tall with long, wild hair. The shoulders appeared broad, but the figure was clothed heavily in pelts so he couldn't tell if the newcomer was male or female. The hand gripped his with startling strength. Now you best run. A woman's voice. She spun and tugged on him, and they took off. His glance pinged around, nervous about his steps, but she spoke firm and clear as they ran. Log, jump over it now. Root, brush. Or stump. Up the mountain they ran, a sharp pain jabbed in Porter's side. His nerves had made his breathing ragged, but he forced himself to run against the stitch in his ribs, the stinging in his skin and spirit. He focused on his rescuer and the long, wiry, gray locks that swung and bounced as they ran. 
Go left now. She sounded winded. Straight shot. Almost there. The forest grew dimmer, dark, ahead of them. Daring to glance over his shoulder, Porter saw the colony of Neverseen hovering far behind. He looked ahead just as they broke through the forest and into a clearing. Stars twinkled brightly overhead. Strong winds hooted and whipped, so the woman's face was nearly obscured by her own locks, the pelts she wore flapping like loose shingles on a roof. I'm on the bald of the mountain, Porter thought. Straight ahead stood what appeared to be a round, doorless shack, old, breaking down, shoddily held together. The woman still held his hand, bending forward against the gale, and led him toward it. She lives on the bald of the mountain, Porter thought. His mind swarmed with incoherent questions. She led him to the shack's entrance. The scent of smoke and charred meat filled his nose even before he ducked through the short opening. Eyes watering, he blinked furiously, trying to take in his surroundings. The hut was fashioned of sticks and branches, all glued together with some kind of clay. Porter collapsed legs shaky and weak from the hiking and running. Finally, he met the eyes of his rescuer. The woman was almost as tall as he was and wrinkled, her long face tanned. She still held her lantern and wore pelts of rabbit, raccoon, skunk, and squirrel down to her knees but her legs appeared to be draped in a tattered pair of men's pants. He looked her up and down. She stared at him with fierce blue eyes. Familiar blue eyes. Blue eyes uncannily like... Who are you? Porter rasped. The blue eyes flared with wild relief. A wide smile broke across her wrinkled face. Henrietta Gregor, she said. Oh, how I've waited for you, young locksmith. The Innis Forgettance was written, narrated, and produced by me, Leah Noel with special appearance by David Walker. The original song, Beware the Never Seen, was written, composed, and performed by Georgia musicians Miles Landrum and Lorelei. You can find links to more of their excellent music in the show notes. Sound effects came from the kind folks at freesound.org. You can follow this podcast with behind the scenes and more on Instagram and TikTok at Leah with a pen.
Lucifer. 